Good day to all of our investors and general listeners. This is the Rudd Commentary. My name is Josh Rudd, and I'll be your host on this holiday version of our presentation today. And with me again, as always, is Jack Kerr, our Capital Markets Associate. For our new listeners who may not be familiar with our firm, the Rudd Company is a wealth management firm headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. We manage investments for clients across the country and specialize in active portfolio management, retirement planning, and the setup and management of employer-sponsored retirement plans. Jack, we have an exciting topic today that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's protecting your loved ones from financial scams that target our more senior investors. But before we begin today, why don't you take our listeners into the trading room with you over the last month or so? Yeah, absolutely. So there are two things I wanted to touch on today. First one being just the current state of the economy. I know, typical for us to cover that. So we've had some conflicting economic data coming out over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to talk about. On one hand, our job market remains strong as we continue to add jobs faster than expected and as the employment rate continues to drop and hover around historical lows. On the other hand, though, U.S. manufacturing has been slowing over the last quarter and is now actually in contractionary territory. In the most recent manufacturing data, it looks like inventories and new orders are decreasing across the economy, perhaps highlighting the effects of less business spending on this economy. I see us in an interesting part of the economic cycle where it's almost business versus consumer, with the consumer spending at high levels and business starting to come back a bit clearly. I just wanted to get your opinion on this. You have to think businesses are going to at least keep their spending stable if we as consumers keep spending our money, right? Well, that's a good point. So the, the main issue here for me is the point at the year that we're in. I saw the numbers that you're referring to, uh, the uh, manufacturing index, and you know below 50, I think it was the fourth consecutive month that we saw that. And your point is a good one. So we're going into the holiday season. I don't know if, if you noticed the... Uh, online versus in-store purchases. I mean, they just, it was really amazing how much we're buying online and, and also on our smartphones. So the consumer is definitely there. We're spending a lot of money. There's a lot of money in the system. We're seeing asset prices go up. So there's definitely uh, a lot of activity in that two-thirds of the economy section that we always talk about here, the consumer. So I'm not as concerned about that like you. I think it's something that our firm is watching right now. But at this time of year, we're going to have strong retail numbers. Uh, what I'm really looking for is that unemployment number and does it stay low into next year? And are, are businesses going to continue to spend on CapEx and buying new computers and those things as we get into the first and second quarter? So not as concerned right now in the short term, Jack, but something we're definitely keeping our eye on. Yeah, and I think um, another thing, kind of Econ 101 to bring up, is that businesses typically will you know, cut their jobs last in the process after business spending. So definitely want to keep an eye on the job market and what they're doing there. So there was something I came across as we go through our quarterly research in the fourth quarter. So far in 2019, every major U.S. asset class in the market has yielded a positive return. The S&P 500 and oil have been the top performers, but everything from U.S. treasuries and more risky bonds to metals like gold, silver, copper have had a positive year-to-date return. I went back and looked at some historical returns for some of the bigger asset classes, and typically you can notice some correlation trends between all the classes from year to year, but it's been a little more difficult this year. So no specific question for you about this, really. Um, it's more just something I came across and wanted to bring up on the podcast to see if you could remember a time like this in the past. 
Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. And really, it's something that it's not that we've forgotten about inflation, but it's something that we're not focused on as much these days. You know, interest rates have been very low and, you know, it's been easy to finance a lot of these assets that have been increasing in price, specifically real estate, automobiles, things like that. So it's a really good point. It's something we're watching very closely. And in in fact, you know, we've got a lot of money out in the system chasing a lot of limited resources out there. We talk in our business about chasing yield and chasing return, but I believe you can see the consumers, uh, you know, chasing that as well. And it's pretty evident. So something I would, I would consider just as an example, you know, economists like to use the McDonald's Big Mac as a, as a benchmark for what they call purchasing power parity. Um, and it's, it's a great metaphor to use as an, and an example. But in this case, you know, we're here in the great state of Texas, so I'll, I'll use Whataburger instead. So, Jack, what, is a, what does a Whataburger go for these days? I don't know, around $5? Yeah, so if you take a look at that, just the price of, say, a burger here at, at uh, that establishment, and you put four people in a room and you lock the door and you put a Whataburger in there, after a few hours, it's going to start smelling pretty tasty and pretty good. And the price may increase a little bit, but what happens to them if they're in there until dinner time and, and they haven't eaten anything? Probably willing to pay a little more, wouldn't you think? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's take them to the next day or, or even the following day, a third day without anything to eat. What, what do you think the price of that, that Whataburger increases to? They may be uh, looking for all the cash in their wallet. Oh, absolutely. And and you made a good point there. So what I want us to think about as you move forward is what happens. Let's say that somebody has $100 in their wallet and they're pretty hungry. So it'd be fair to say they'd probably be willing to pay 100 bucks for that Whataburger over you know a couple of days of not eating. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, let's think about how the money supply works here in the U.S. What happens if I double the money supply in their wallet? What happens to the price of that Whataburger? Probably goes up a little bit. It probably goes up double because (laughs) they're pretty hungry, wouldn't you think? Yeah. And if you think about that, I know that's a very simple example, but if that Whataburger represents all the goods and services available in that room to everybody, similar to the economy, then if we double the money supply in somebody's wallet, it's fair to say that that those dollars are going to be chasing that asset. Because people want it, people need it. You know, we're talking about a unique situation here, but as a general concept, it's something that we need to consider. It, it's not that we've forgotten what inflation is. We just don't speak about it a lot these days. And, and remember, you know, anybody under the age of about 45 has been in a period of real moderate inflation. You know, you'd have to go back to, to somebody in, the, in their late 40s and 50s to really remember a high level of inflation in this country. And I just think that's a point that we should all think about as we look at CPI uh, and PCE and, and what goes into those two numbers. Uh, because I can tell you that the price of an automobile and the price of a car here in, in, in locally in Texas has increased dramatically. So just something to think about, Jack. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate the Big Mac example. And we'll also be looking to see what the Federal Reserve does after the first of the year. So... That's all I had. I just wanted to talk about the current state and just performance this year. Do you have anything else? Jack, thanks for taking us through the, the trading room and, and giving some giving an inside uh, look to our listeners at, at what we're looking at every day there when we're managing their assets. So I want to move into our main topic for today, which I mentioned earlier is really near and dear to my heart. So i uh, give you a little background. When I speak at 
large events. Uh, financial fraud is a pretty big topic that I get asked about. And normally it has to do with you know the Wall Street concerns, uh, CEOs, misstatement of financial information. And all those things are very serious. But I can tell you from practical experience uh, that there's a far more frequent concern in our business of wealth management, and, and especially in a fiduciary capacity. And today I want to talk a little bit about the financial fraud and, and scams that impact our more senior investors and that impact the loved ones and clients that we have that are caring for those investors. It's much more common on a frequency basis, and it's going to affect families in a much more personal way. I know if you've watched a lot of the news programs uh, here over the past year, it's something that happens quite frequently. And it doesn't have to happen, or it doesn't always happen in some type of nursing home arrangement. Uh, you know, it happens every day over the telephone in our country. And I'd like to introduce our listeners to our guest speaker today. We're very excited to have Tom Maxwell. Tom is a retired professional from the financial services industry who's recently been through a difficult experience coming to the age of a loved one who is a victim of a financial scam. Tom has, uh, has graciously agreed to share his experience with us today in hopes that his testimony might help others better protect themselves and loved ones from what is becoming a major problem affecting our seniors. Tom, thank you very much for joining us today, and, and thank you again for your willingness to share your story with our listeners. Josh, happy to be here. Thank you. Tom, I wanted to ask you, you'd shared with me that you have a, a loved one uh, who's fallen victim to a scam here recently. When did you first mm -hmm. suspect uh, that this scam may have taken place? I had another family member inform me that um, this other family member had reported to her that she had won a lottery. And uh, so it was secondhand information from another family member and that the victim didn't want to tell me because she thought that I might uh, be angered by that and not believe it. Tom, how did you approach this family member and how did that go? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, not having the benefit of one of these sessions and the knowledge that I've gained in the last two years, at first I was angry, but I talked to her on the phone and assured her that it was not true and that in this case it was the lottery scam and that had she won a lottery, you have to enter one. And uh, she said that uh, she must have entered. And as, as time went by, I realized that she was, uh, she could not be convinced otherwise that in other words, that she had not won. She had a, uh, I don't want to abuse this word, but a delusion that she had won the lottery and she could not be shaken from that. Even to, even to this day, even though she has no ability to uh, be harmed by it anymore, she still believes she won the lottery. Well, Tom, I can't imagine going through that with a loved one and, and having to convince them that something like that isn't is it true. And, and for most of us who are listening, you know, we we know somebody you know calling us unsolicited, and you know that that would be hard to convince me or some of our listeners that that was a you know real occurrence. But this is just a, a fact that this happens. Uh, quite often. So I, I wanted to also ask if this was a single scam or if there were multiple occurrences over a longer period of time. Can you walk us through uh, kind of how this scam progressed and if there were, you know, 
multiple points and 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 uh, transfers of wealth and, and right. things like that. Uh, this was one scam perpetrated by one scammer, and it began with her receiving a the family member receiving a letter, a scam letter in the mail that informed her that she had won this lottery and that she needed to call a certain number in order to uh, claim her prize. And uh, typically these scams are, uh, these letters are accompanied by a check from the scammer, a bogus check that appears to um, the victim to be legitimate, and they are told to go deposit that check. And the check is perfectly bogus. And uh, the scammer informs the victim that the check is to uh, compensate her for or them for the taxes they're going to have to pay on their lottery winnings. So that's how it began. And this family member did deposit the check and she think uh, dementia had, uh, she was in the early stages of dementia and didn't realize that the check was no good. And she went about uh, sending money off to the scammer thinking that this check that she had deposited was good, which it wasn't. So when all of her, uh, her personal checks to her creditors began bouncing, she couldn't uh, comprehend what was going on, but uh, that's the way it works. They, uh, this particular one is a mass mailing. They include bogus checks that the victim is supposed to deposit. The target, of course, is all of our elders, especially people who have diminished mental capacity at some level. And um, once the she had called the scammer and uh, began this process. The scammer, uh, from the best that I can tell, began to quiz her and somehow gain some insight as to how uh, this family member thinks and what their weaknesses were. And as I tell many people that this scammer began to quote, uh, you know, religious dogma and verbiage and uh, lure Duke, my, this family member, along. But uh, then he'd send her another letter. And uh, the, the next letter had a check in it, the same thing. And because of this family member's dementia, they couldn't remember that they had been through this before. And uh, I stepped in and verbally uh, confronted her. And actually, so did a few friends, neighbors, and uh, she did not believe any of them. She told us all she wouldn't do it again, but she did that just to uh, get us off the topic. And uh, that that was one of the scary things. She made us all think that it was something that uh, would never happen again. And she she engaged in it and sent off tens of thousands of dollars over, I'd say, about a uh, six-month period of time to this scammer. Well, Tom, it's it's a it's uh, very clear to me that you were working with a professional criminal, yes. and and that's uh, I just want to make sure our listeners understand that you know, these are folks that have been through this many times, and they know uh, you know you talked about some of the quotes and and uh, bringing up religion and you know trying to make an emotional connection with your loved one, and and those are all tactics mm-hmm. that are used and and. Uh, 
you know, this was clearly a professional. Uh, looking back, uh, can you walk us through any, were there any early warning signs uh, in this case that, that some of our listeners uh, could look out for? I would say the, uh, this is something I, I do want to cover in summary at a later point in the podcast, but the early warning signs were the same warning signs family members get when they communicate regularly with their loved one and find out that maybe they've, they've skipped some bills or they're asking questions about things that um, we consider to be very simple matters and uh, the elders are having trouble uh, performing tasks that you and I take for granted. So yes, there were early warning signs that this person's mental capacity was diminishing, but there were no early warning signs about her being vulnerable to a scam. And that's something that I regret. Had I been better informed myself, I could have uh, been on top of things and kept her uh, abreast of some of these scams that are uh, plaguing our country and our elders. But um, uh, there were signs of early onset dementia, but it didn't occur to me that she was so vulnerable to being scammed. Well, I appreciate you mentioning those, and, and we'll definitely come back to that. I you brought up an outstanding point here in our office. You know, I get asked a lot of questions about how we, we look for those things and, and notify family members. And unfortunately, there are a lot of cases where our hands are tied due to confidentiality, but we are proactive. And I, I'd just like to share along with your comments that it's not, you know, the obvious things you would think would be, you know, repetition and comments in the same meeting. You know, those are, of course, very obvious. Some things that we all look for is kind of the delineator post yes. on that journey. But you're so far... You're so far down the road at that point. Some of the things in, at our at our firm that we do is is if we're not making that task process from meeting to meeting, uh, or we go back and and we're covering events again and again, um, you know, we're looking for things like you know those unpaid bills. That's one of the biggest things that you mentioned that I think is a clear indication there. But those are things that we're always looking for alongside our families. And and why I was so excited that we were able to talk about this topic today because it affects so many of our elderly. Uh, to your point, is uh, your listeners have to be aware, and I guess if they're tuning in, they're they're on the right track. But in my opinion, after talking to so many mental health professionals, prosecutors in district attorney's offices, people who prosecute elder crime or crime against uh, financial crimes against our elders, I think that your listeners need to be aware that this is a national crisis. Yeah, the magnitude of the problem is enormous and need to accept that all of our elders, uh, if not ourselves, but especially our elders, are targets. Everyone is a target for these scams. And um, I have encountered in the last two years uh, a few unfortunate frames of mind that people say, well, my, uh, my family member would never fall for something like this. And that's a very uh, unfortunate posture to take. Because um, they're, they're, they can't say that because their elders' minds are not what they were in the earlier years. And uh, this family member of mine was a professor at a major university and had uh, multiple advanced degrees and lived her life, uh, her, certainly her adult, adult life, thinking intelligently and, rational, and making rational decisions. But... Uh, when she began to uh, dementia set, set in, things changed completely. 
So we have to realize that, that our elders are capable of being duped by some of these unthinkable things. They are different people at advanced age. Tom, I completely agree. Are there any other ways uh, that you can give our listeners any ways that we can help protect our loved ones who may have some Absolutely. cognitive challenges that you, you've outlined? Absolutely. I, the first thing we need to do is stay in touch, communicate regularly, make a habit out of communicating regularly with these loved ones and uh, listen to what they're saying. You need to be listening for um, unusual comments like maybe my financial worries are over or something like that. Or ask questions and pursue unusual comments. But not only for uh, protecting them against them, if, you, if we stay in touch with these uh, loved ones, uh, we may find out other things going on that need attention, like their health. So it's not always... Uh, uh, it's always a good idea to stay in touch with these loved ones, and there are many, many good reasons to do so. One is to protect them from scams, which there are thousands of cases every year that are horrible to talk about, but and also to learn things about what's going on with them health-wise. I also urge family members to at least ask their elder or the loved one, potential victim, to go execute a power of attorney. Now, any of your clients who are attorneys uh, will uh, be quick to remind everyone that the power of attorney is not the uh, be-all, end-all. But in, in my case, along with my partnership with your firm, the power of attorney uh, saved this family member from ruin. It's not a perfect document, but it needs to be executed in every family. So, uh, you know, we're talking about here prevention. And everything we've talked about is on that side of the ledger. If, if people knew what victims of scams had gone through, I think they would be uh, paying a lot of attention, more attention to their, to their loved ones, because it's a, it's a horrible time when these criminals get their claws into your family member. Anyway, uh, Stay in touch, communicate with them regularly, and listen. actually listen to what they're saying, being engaged in conversation with them, and also have that, I know it seems like a small thing, but that power of attorney uh, opens a lot of doors to enable family members to help their loved ones. Well, I can... Uh, I can definitely second that, and I will make a uh, selfish plug here and tell everyone that we would love for you to talk to your uh, estate planning attorney just in general on some uh, estate planning and, and think about the loved ones that you're caring for. And, and Tom, I can say that uh, I hope that our listeners really take this to heart. This uh, family member of yours was very fortunate to have you by their side and, and watching and, and able to come in and and make sense of all this. Um, as you had mentioned, it, it you had used the term, uh, you know, saved your family member from from financial ruin. I, I, I think it's a lot more than that. A lot of individuals out there don't have a partner uh, that they can count on, and and haven't done the necessary planning and really thought through uh, some of these things that they are in fact possible. So. Uh, I can't thank you enough for the value that I think you've given our, our investors and listeners today. Is there anything else additional that you would like to share before we uh, wrap this uh, segment up? Uh, nothing else, Josh. Thank you. 
Well, I just want to thank you again, Tom, for your time today. And I believe I can speak for everyone here and our listeners and, and uh, sharing with you that, that this was extremely valuable. So uh, thank you very much again. Great, Josh. Happy to help. Well, Jack, that was an outstanding uh, topic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We appreciate Tom being on. Well, I'd like to take this moment to invite you, our listeners, to share your comments and ideas for future topics on this program. This topic came up from a listener that we have, and, and we're very thankful for those ideas going forward in, in our mission and, and uh, focus to provide you value on, on these podcasts. So please take some time throughout the month to send us a message through our website at therudcompany.com or send us an email to rudco at therudcompany.com with your comments and suggestions. We would love to hear from you. In closing, I'd like to say thank you again to Tom Maxwell for joining us on our program and sharing his story today. I'd also like to thank all of our clients. Without you, we wouldn't have a job. Thank you for the trust you place in our firm. All of us here at the Rudd Company have a passion for wealth management and helping you win and achieve long-term financial success. Thank you very much for listening today. This is the Rudd Commentary. I'm your host, Josh Rudd. And from all of us here at the Rudd Company, invest long and prosper. This commentary is distributed for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Nothing herein constitutes any offer to sell or solicitation of any offer to buy any security. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal invested, and nothing herein should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any opinions expressed by employees of the Rudd Company are the Rudd Company's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any affiliates. The opinions expressed by guest speakers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rudd Company or any affiliates. Guest appearances on this program does not imply the Rudd Company's endorsement of any entity, person, product, service, or investment. All opinions are current and only as of the date of recording and are subject to change without notice.